0: Morning, everyone! Happy Easter! It is great to see all of you here this morning. All looking in your Easter best, nice bright colors. It makes me feel all happy, and warm and fuzzy inside, like a bunny, but not an Easter bunny, not an Easter bunny. Um, just got a couple announcements. Uh, do make sure you grab a bulletin uh, if our ushers did not get you one on your way in. Uh, there's a bunch of different stuff in here. Some of this. We've said before, but we're going to say it again, so you don't forget. Um, some things uh, for our visitors here, you can you can find out what's going on, what we've got uh, the rest of the week. Um, but there are a few things. First of all, we've been saying this a couple of weeks, but uh, we have uh, our directory pictures coming up soon. There's an insert in here uh, as well as the information. It is next Sunday, okay, the 23rd. Also Monday the 24th, make sure you sign up for a slot uh, so you can go out to this table right out these doors uh, and sign up for a time slot, get your picture taken. Um, There are some of these cards out there next to the sign up. You can remind yourself, write down uh, your check-in time uh, and all of that so you know. Uh, All of the Sunday slots are taken, so if you need a slot, there's a bunch open on Monday. Make sure you sign up. Uh, I've got to put that stuff in this week. So the photographers know uh, what their schedule is and they can plan accordingly. So please, 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 please sign up today uh, before you leave. There's another uh, insert in the bulletin, nice orange piece of paper uh, that we need everybody to fill out for us. So you can take it out now grab a pencil if you've got one, elbow your neighbor and ask to borrow a pencil. You can fill that out. Uh, This is for our wise outreach. Uh, This is an evangelistic uh, outreach we've been putting together. Pastor Jeremy has said a lot about this, so I'm not going to go through all of that again. Uh, But there is uh, some different slots on here for you to check how you would like to participate. Um, And I'll just go through so you know exactly what's going on. The very first thing is the door-to-door, kind of the the core of this uh, outreach. Uh, This would be the door knockers going around on Saturdays, uh, and we'd like to have enough people. We can kind of get rotations going so you're not going out every Saturday. Um, But there, uh, if you like to help with that, we're having a luncheon on April 30th. That's two weeks from today. Um, sunday right after the service uh, so please check that if you're gonna be doing that and turn that in today so we can have enough food uh... on the 30th for that uh... it's gonna run uh... may 13th through the end of october we're thinking to get uh... everything covered there uh... then if you don't want to go around and knock on doors uh... there's some other options prayer team you know just praying for the needs of the people that we come in contact with uh... A mailing or emailing team to kind of follow up with the people that we meet going door to door, and then a, a home visitation team uh, that would, after you know, a contact is made, go back, follow up with them, that type of thing, kind of a second contact. Um, and all three of those are going to run like May through December, uh, that time frame. Then we've got some other things, a discipleship team, actually, as new people come into the church and, and Hopefully people are getting saved and would like to be discipled in their walk with Christ. You would like to help them with that, help with new converts. Uh, And then also a a First Impressions team kind of to help, you know, welcome people into the church, that type of thing. Uh, So all of those options are on there. Check one or a couple of those if you'd like to, if you can. Uh, Name, phone number, email address. So we got all your contact information up to date if we don't have it already. Uh, So I know that's a lot of stuff. You can read through that fill it out. Uh, You can put it in the offering plate uh, if you've got it done in time, or uh, just after the service, make sure we get that uh, so that we can plan uh, accordingly. A couple other things uh, coming up. Our co-ed softball league is starting soon. It's going to be a big hit. I stole that from Elijah. Thanks, Elijah, for that one. (laughs) Thank you for that joke, because I can't come up with jokes on my own. Anyway, it's going to be great. So if you would like to uh, participate participate at the plate, uh, you can help. Uh, just let me know. Uh, let us know. We had some papers to fill out earlier. So if you find one of those and can turn it back in, uh, that would be great. Um, also, Pastor spent some time. We showed a video last Sunday talking about secret church. Uh, that is going to be on Friday, April 21st, starting at 630 Uh, It says four hours of intense Bible study, and that really is what it is. This is a Bible study, really deep, uh, going into some things there. We're going to be simulcasting uh, David Platt doing this. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. If you would like to participate, you know, if you can't make it right at 630, can't stay the whole four hours, that's all right. Please come. Uh, If you would like a book, please talk to Pastor Jeremy. Uh, We only have 10 books. uh, So if you would like a book with all of the notes, and you'll be there most of the time, let us know so we can make sure you have our book reserved for you. Uh, if not, we'll just be handing them out uh, to ha- whoever is there at 630. Um, so that uh, is really important there. Please let us know that. Uh, now, to, to finish our announcements, I'm going to call Pastor Jeremy up. He's got another special announcement.
1: Uh, also, as Nate was mentioning about the secret church this Friday, please come be a part of that. we got a little quick video clip I want to show you. Um, to kind of give you an idea of maybe what to expect. How many of you here for the first time at Secret Church?
2: Well, we welcome the rookies tonight, huh? 60,000 different people. All 50 United States, Guatemala, Ecuador, New Zealand, New Zealand Outer Mongolia. Yeah, I hope, hope you've, you've chosen, chosen wisely thing, and the person you are sitting next, next to because you're going to need them. It's going to be a good night. Here we go. Our goal tonight is not entertainment. Not entertainment. Did you hear that? The goal tonight is for 60,000 people, people, Australia, Thailand, to leave this place equipped with the Word of God. we got a lot of ground to cover. Empowered by the Spirit of God, I don't have a lot of time to. to To proclaim the Gospel of God. Secret Church is designed to be like a fire hydrant. People ask, well, why are you, why do you cover so much? You should really just slow down. I thought we'd be going fast now. Na- We're about to kick it up a notch. The Son of Man is gonna come with his angels. All the scripture. Will appear before the judgment seat of Christ at James 1 9, Psalm 119. Done in the body with it. God the God of Jews only know. Matthew 7, Matthew 16. You don't get that in a 20 minute Bible study. There's underground house churches around the world, they want the word. We're gonna drink from the fire hydrant of God's word. Digest later. So let the fire hydrant begin.
0: It's John fourteen six, a very familiar verse. Um, but let's think about this in the context of Easter and the resurrection. it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm going to ask our ushers to come now. And I will... Pray for our morning offering. God, I just thank you so much for Easter. I thank you for all that it means for us as believers as we think about the resurrection and and how we have life in you. And I just pray that that we would remember that today, that it would um, be fresh in our minds and we would gain a, a new or, or renewed appreciation for the resurrection and for the gospel. I just pray for all of us um, as we go from here um, that, that we would be changed because of what we hear. I pray that your your word would be proclaimed and that we would uh, we would understand what it means for us and I just pray that we would be sharing that with others today as as everybody knows it's Easter and and we're celebrating it in in different ways, uh, that we would just be focused on what it's really about, and that's the gospel. I just pray for this offering, that you would use it to help this local body of Christ to to reach our community better, and that because of this offering, the gospel uh, would be loudly and boldly proclaimed, in all of LaGrange. We pray this in your name. Amen.
3: As we think about Easter today and the, uh, the sacrifice and the, the horrible, beautiful cross that our Savior died on, and I can only say that it's because of His grace that, that I've even been able to stand here today. And many of us, without God's grace, would have not even been here today or may not even be still on this earth. But he has given us grace beyond all measure. We can't compare it to anything. It is just an amazing amount of love and grace that our God has shown us each and every day.
4: When he saw for Just how much his love would cost. He still went the extra mile Between me and heaven So I would not be lost Were it not for grace Nowhere with my salvation The oh, died the wrath of god was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of christ Grip on me, for I am his and he is mine. Bought with the precious blood of Christ. On Christ's solid rock I stand all other. commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pull me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ thou stand, no power of hell No scheme of man Can ever pluck me from his hand Till he returns or calls me home Here in the power of Christ I'll stand On Christ's side rock I stand all of the ground
0: we all
4: the love I bear.
3: so much for the cross, the horrible, wonderful cross, Lord, that, that saved, that made a way for each and every one of us to be saved. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love, and we thank you for you. Lord, we thank you so much for all you've done and all you're going to do for us. In your name we ask you,
1: amen. Children's Church, you can be dismissed at this time. Uh, One other very important announcement that I'd like to share this morning: Um, next Sunday is uh, uh, is uh, we're looking forward to an exciting day. One of our soldiers is coming home. Dustin Metz will be back with us, Lord willing, Sunday. So he's watching, we're praying for you. Get home safe. And so, um, anyways, we are excited. I know somebody here is real excited. <laughs> and uh, just so you guys do know, we, we are in, in the works on uh, a baby shower as well, so uh, stay tuned uh, to be continued. So, uh, anyways, uh, just continue to pray for Dustin and for Katie and Philip and, and the baby to come, and so uh, exciting, exciting times, and uh, we are looking forward to. It. I spoke with with Dustin a couple of times, uh, once via the phone and, and a lot of interaction via the internet. And, and I said, man, your timing's good. We're getting ready to start softball season. So, <laughs> so I, I think that's probably like third on his list down the line, maybe fourth. But anyway, we're looking forward to getting him back. And uh, so looking forward to next Sunday. So you guys be here for that. Take your Bibles, if you would. And we're going to see who knows their Bibles. We're going to go to the resurrection chapter. The resurrection chapter. Now, it's okay if you don't know what the resurrection chapter is. Somebody shout out the resurrection chapter. 1 Corinthians 15. Okay, we got work to do. 1 Corinthians 15. <laughs> so if anybody ever tells you from now on the resurrection chapter, you're going to say, 1 Corinthians 15. I know that one. All right, 1 Corinthians 15. If you need a Bible. By the way, I encourage you to follow along in the Bible. There should be one in the pew in front of you. And... Um, Please grab that because you'll get a lot more out of the message if you're reading and following along uh, as we go through this. Meanwhile, I'm going to see if uh, my PowerPoint pulls up and clicks here shortly um, as we're getting that set. 1 Corinthians 15, and it is uh, often referred to, you know, 13 is, is the love chapter. This one is called the resurrection chapter. And we're going to unpack this. We're not going to do the whole thing, but we're going to cover, Lord willing, about 22 verses. And uh, that's why we started earlier. God bless you. Um, But let's go ahead and take a look here, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and let's begin our reading in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me therefore whether it was I or they so we preach and so you believed now if christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead how does some among you say there's no resurrection of the dead but if there's no resurrection of the dead then christ is not risen and if christ is not risen then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now, Christ is risen. Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made. Alive. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you will fill me with your spirit, that I will be a vessel, that you will use the preaching of your word to speak to our hearts and that our hearts would draw near to you in worship and in response. I pray that you remove any distractions and any hindrances from this gathering this morning so that your word does not have any obstacles as it's it's sent out. You would remove distractions from our thoughts and that we would focus on the message at hand and that we would hear from you through the Holy Spirit of God. Be our teacher today, Lord. And may we lift the mighty name of Jesus Christ high as we give you the praise this glorious day. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is addressing a problem at Corinth. There's many that he's been addressing in this letter. But specifically here, if you want to know what this chapter is really about, turn your attention to verse 12. Here is the problem at Corinth in this section that Paul is addressing. Look, if you would, at verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead. So what's going on at the church at Corinth? Well, a lot of things, but one of the problems is there were obviously some people there in their midst that denied the resurrection of the dead. They said, look, dead people don't rise. It just There's no such thing as a resurrection. It just doesn't happen. They're gone. They're worm food, whatever they said. And look, this isn't... Uncommon in our day. There are a lot of people under steeples this morning that do not take the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ to be true. There are those that call themselves Christians and yet deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That He did not raise bodily. That was going on in Corinth. Now think about it. This wasn't uncommon because a lot of the Jews, and specifically even the Gentiles in this area, because they're near Athens where Corinth is located, and so it's not, it's, it's, it's not unheard of that in that area that there were many who believed this way. Whether they were from a pagan religion or whether they were former Jews. Think about the Sadducees. The Sadducees were known for denying resurrection. And so, evidently, there were some in the church at Corinth, and Paul is addressing this. So, in case you run across one of these kind of guys these days who denies the resurrection, let's look at Paul's argument in this text as to why the resurrection is true. So, his first point of argument is from authority. Notice verses 1 through 4 in the text. Here's the claims. He says, Jesus died. He says, Jesus died for our sins. He says, Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He's arguing from the authority of scripture now we know that the scriptures were still incomplete in paul's day when he's writing this in fact he is through the inspiration of the holy spirit writing one of god-inspired letters that we now have in the closed completed canon so he's referencing the old testament scriptures that they did have and we'll look at a few of those in just a moment guys let me just pause for a second because we live in the Bible Belt and we've kind of gone through some cycles through some of the generations that are represented here in this room from Mr. Holton's generation to the day when you just took God's Word as being God's Word. And a lot of people didn't really argue that. And you come on through the line and you see Gerald and you see Randall. You know, I even throw myself in there. You see me, Tommy. And we kind of go on down the line to where Nate is today and on down even to my children. A lot has changed, Right? But one thing that hasn't changed is the authority of God's Word. Yeah, people may deny and say, Well, you say that's God's Word. That's your view. I don't believe that's God's Word. What about the Quran? What about the writings of Confucius or Buddha? And and, and so we hear all this today, and especially with the World Wide Web, it comes flooding into our homes and and in our school systems. And so there's all these worldviews that are thrown out there. And if you're not standing firm, if you are not strong in your faith, you may be tossed to and fro with every wind and wave that comes your way. I don't, I'm not going to go into this this morning. But let me encourage you, if you want to know why the Bible is truly God's Word and why we know it is the final authority on every area in life, I will be more than happy to feed you resource upon resource upon resource and you can do your own homework prayerfully considering the claims because at the end of the day, this is what all these worldviews are. They're claims of truth. They're saying, I believe this, I believe that, you believe this, I believe that. What's the truth in the matter? If Five people in the room claim two plus two is something different. You better do the math or you're going to get the answer wrong. And with so many worldviews coming at you, And the answer is eternity you better do your homework and you sure better get this one right Paul begins to argue from the authority of Scripture he says Jesus died for our sins and was buried Jesus died for our sins was buried and he rose again the third day now that's a claim of truth either that 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 is a false claim or it's a true claim do the math people don't exactly go around rising for the dead every day right You better have some evidence to back what you claim. Church, you have more evidence for your worldview than any other claim in existence. The evidence that is put forth is undeniable. Now man will suppress the truth in unrighteousness because man loves darkness rather than light. But let's lay out the evidence. Let's be intellectually honest. Let's don't be deniers. Let's be honest seekers. Most people won't take the time, even though eternity weighs in the balance. Paul is arguing here from authority to to these folks. And look, he is predominantly writing to a gathering of believers, but there are those in the midst that maybe weren't truly believers. Maybe there are some here in our midst today that are not truly born-again believers. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have questions. But don't ask a brain surgeon about how to change your transmission. And don't ask a mechanic if you need brain surgery what he should do. Well, Paul starts here and he says, Look, you know the gospel that I received. You know the gospel that was brought to you. You remember the good news that was preached to you. You know the the claims. You know the, the things that have been put forth in the Old Testament scriptures that you've read for years that were fulfilled in Christ. Let me remind you of some this morning. Here's some of that authority. Psalm 22. If you want some supplemental reading this week, After Easter, man, camp out in Psalm 22. Camp out in Isaiah 53. You might want to write that down because I'm telling you, these things are written a thousand years, a thousand years before Jesus is even on the earth. This is literature. These are scripture. These are manuscripts that they had in their possession that everyone had access to at the synagogues and at the temple. These things were taught. These things were known. Psalm 22 is a song. They used to sing this in worship it's what's called a messianic psalm it's a prophecy it's a prediction a thousand years earlier Jesus fulfills it on the cross in fact as Jesus hangs on the cross he says the following words my God my God why hast thou forsaken me Psalm 22 begins with those very words why is Jesus saying that upon the cross because He's a fulfillment of the Messianic Psalm. The song that you people have sung, I am He. They should have looked upon the cross at Calvary and saw the Son of God hanging on the cross for the sins of mankind, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They should have been drawn to Psalm 22 and immediately as they go through this psalm, as they go through this song, they should have thought about they cast lots for my garments. The bulls surround me. They, they, they yell at me. They mock at me. Go through Psalm 22 and look at the various things that are mentioned. They crucified Him. They put nails through His hands and through His feet. Gang, Psalm 22 mentions that the crucifixion was not yet on the scene. The Romans didn't invent it, but they sure mastered it. And yet here in Psalm 22, you find the very specific thing being mentioned. Go there quickly. This is another sermon on another day. And I need to preach this one probably next Easter. But go to Psalm 22. Hold your spot in 1 Corinthians 15. And let's go over to Psalm 22 because there is too much in here to just ignore and, and shake your head at and say, Well, you know. No! This is specific. This is detailed. And when we know that this is penned a thousand years prior, you can't deny it. Psalm 22:1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 7. All those who see me ridicule me they shoot out the lip they shake the head saying he trusted in the Lord let him rescue him let him deliver him since he delights in him these are things that are paraphrased in in the Gospels these are the things they said as they looked at him many bulls verse 12 many bulls have surrounded me strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me they gape at me with their mouths like a raging a roaring lion I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint my heart is like wax, it melts. And as you remember, they pierced the realm of the heart in verifying that He was dead on the cross and water and blood mingled, poured out. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. Look at verse 16. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I count on my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Guys, this is too detailed. This is too specific. Don't bury your head in the sand on this overwhelming and amazing truth that God has put before our eyes and put in the presence of those who crucified our Lord and Savior. We were at a revival service this week and... uh, Heard a speaker, and, and look, guys, I used to preach this, so I ain't trying to throw nobody under the bus. I used to say the very same thing until I learned different, until I saw the truth. Sometimes we do things out of ignorance, right? Paul says the same thing. What he used to do, he did out of ignorance. Guys, can, can I tell you, sometimes I still do things out of ignorance. And I know some of you are thinking, well, sometimes you're just ignorant. But that isn't what I said. It's a whole other story. But it grieves me now when I hear this because once you've, once you've discovered a truth, you can't go back, right? It's like you can't undo something you've learned to be true. And you want to show grace when people are doing something that you know is wrong. It's like, you're going, because I want to say something, but I want to be gracious. And I don't want to, you know, I don't know. Maybe you don't have that problem. That's just, you know, it's like, I'm going to blow up. I got to tell you, but I want to tell you in love. And it's just, mm. but I hear this. I used to preach this, that God the Father poured out His wrath upon His Son. And in that moment, the Father had to turn His back. He had to hide His face. He had to look away. For the first time, and this is what this guy said this week, the Son was separated from the Father because He took our sin upon Him. Okay, hold on a second. It's theologically impossible. the Trinity cannot be separated. OK? Now I understand what we mean when we say that. Did God the Father pour out His wrath upon His Son for, to, to take the punishment that we deserved? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did He who knew no sin become sin on our behalf? Absolutely, absolutely. But guys, there's no schism. And you sure better hope and pray that there's no separation from the Father and the Son or we're all in trouble. So I'm going to stick with the Word of God. Let's look at what the Word of God says. Don't take your pastor's word for it. You know me. Don't don't take what I tell you. You verify it. See if it's true. Trust, but verify. Trust, but verify. Let's look. Psalm 22, continue on down, verse 24. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Nor has he hidden his face from him. Did you catch that? Nor has he hidden his face from him, but when he cried to him, he what? Come on, help me out. What does it say? He what? He heard. When David the psalmist wrote this, was David forsaken by God? Did God abandon him? No. Now, is David emotionally feeling like God left him? Yes. Raise a hand. Have you, believer, born again, sealed by the Holy Spirit to the day of promise, have you ever felt like God's abandoned you? Yeah. All right, the rest of you lied. You can join us now. I'm just <laughs> Yes, humanly, humanly speaking, absolutely. Jesus feels emotionally forsaken. Think about the garden. Oh, Father, if there's there's any other way, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, humanly speaking. But He knows. He doesn't yield to the feeling or the emotion or the angst of the moment. Jesus instead says what? Nevertheless, not my will be done, thy will be done. And God makes us a promise. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So let's go ahead and kick this old traditional teaching out of our playbook Because it's not truth, guys. And there's so many implications if we hold to that. You have a schism in the Trinity, which is ridiculous. And we've got this idea that if the Father can forsake a pure and holy righteous Son, we're all in trouble. (laughs) But that's not what happened. And in fact, if you go on and continue to read Psalm 22, he makes it abundantly clear. I guess I won't have to preach this next year. I just did. All right, He goes on and he says, verse 25 my praise shall be of you in the great assembly did the father hear the son's cry upon the cross absolutely and we stand in that great assembly today and we lift and praise the mighty name of jesus think about it if god the father turned his back on his son and they were separated in that moment. I guess the Father didn't hear it when Jesus said, Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Um, hello? I, I w- Come on, guys. Think about this. Be biblical-minded. God the Father heard His Son's cry. Yes, God the Son suffered on our behalf. Yes, He took the full wrath. And we deserve the punishment. But it was put upon Him. Isaiah 53 talks about that again 700 years prior to Jesus ever coming onto the onto the earth you see this laid out in Scripture he was bruised for our iniquities right he's crushed Uh, go through there and look it's undeniable who it's talking about Jesus Christ so there's authority from the Old Testament Psalm 1610 says for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol nor let your Holy One see corruption. Let me translate that for you. You're not going to let your son rot in the grave. News flash. He's not in the grave. The tomb is empty. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He is victorious and He promises whosoever will believe in Him, will put their sold-out, surrendered faith and trust in the finished work at Calvary. He promises you forgiveness of sin, eternal life. Whosoever will, let them come. Guys, this is eternally important. This isn't worth us just, hey, once a year, you know... Guys, this is this is complete surrender kind of stuff this is I'm sold out so Paul's argument of the resurrection to the people at Corinth is from authority notice what else it's from evidence Okay, I don't know about you, but I'm an evidence kind of guy, you know? I, I, yeah, we like to play these clue games, right? You know, the, the evidence. I, I, you know, some of these new things that are going on. I've not been to one yet. They keep trying to convince me on a marriage retreat to try one. We're going to get it, Zach. We're going to try it one day. We'll put it in the budget. But anyway, you know, we got to solve the mystery, and you've got to figure things out. Well, let's look at what Paul does here to help the Corinthians figure it out. Notice what he does He gives the eyewitness accounts. Notice in verses 5 through 11 of 1 Corinthians 15. Notice what he says. He was buried, he rose the third day according to the Scriptures, verse 5, and that he was seen by Cephas. That's Peter. He was seen by Cephas. Now let me ask you a question. Quinn, if you saw one of your dead grandparents... Do you think you'd remember? Yeah. I think it'd be pretty... What if you ate fish with them? You know, had a little sit-down meal. You might remember that, right? We might think you're a little crazy, and probably today we would, but that's all right. We know you're a little crazy, but that's okay. We love you. You're in good company. He was seen by Cephas. He was seen by Peter. Then by the twelve. Oh, now some of you guys are going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's your problem, preacher. When Jesus rose from the dead... There weren't 12. There was only 11. Boom! Drop the PowerPoint. Now, I say that because a lot of scoffers and skeptics and professors of your higher institutes of learning will tell you this kind of stuff. See, you can't trust the Scripture. They didn't even get it right. There weren't even 12. (laughs) There were 11. Or were there? Read Acts. Matthias has already moved in. So, eh, sorry, pick your PowerPoint back up, go again, prop. No, we don't want to do it with that attitude. Yes, there were 12. Of course, there were 12 at this point. Matthias, even the casting of the lots belongs to the Lord. He had already been put in play. Moving on, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. <laughs> Okay, you've got to read some of the crazy theories that are put out there and are taught in the higher education, uh, 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 and many of you have sat under that. These things are crazy, and they think we're, we're foolish. You know, you've heard of these things the swoon theory. Jesus passed out and was later came to. Oh, okay, yeah. Ah, you know, put the spirit through the heart, the blood pours out. Yeah, nailed to the cross, a fixation, nearly beaten to death prior to even going to the cross, sealed in a, a tomb, you know, so it's kind of hard to breathe in there, embalmed, wrapped with some clothes, you know, embalming clothes. Yeah, and he just came to and walked the earth for about 45 days, eating, talking, walking, teaching, preaching. Yeah, yeah, that's a real good theory come on man but these are the theories that are put out why do they even got to put out theories have you ever asked yourself that question why do they even have to give a defense why do they got to throw out these theories well read your bible and it will tell you why they're freaking out because the body's gone here we'll pay you say that the disciples came in the middle of the night with all of you centurions guarding and priestly guard guys and took the body. Yeah, good idea. Good one. Knowing that they would die for falling asleep on the duty and, and so forth and so on. Come on, man. And we did to do one of those kind of like video clips where they do that, you know? Jesus was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Hallucination. They all hallucinated. Must have been something in those fish (laughs) loaves. Come on, man. Really? All these different occasions. All these different accounts. And then you even go outside of Scripture and you look at secular writings and they all attest in history something was going on. Guys, all you need to do is look around the earth today. Look where you're sitting today. This is a result of the the resurrection. Hospitals, education. Look at the impact that Jesus Christ has had upon the world, and specifically the Western world. Something amazing must have happened over 2,000 years ago. And we're seeing the results of that today. And it's still sweeping the globe. Evidence. He was seen by James, a brother who adamantly denied at first till he saw the resurrected Christ. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, Paul says, by one born out of due time. You want to know Paul's encounter with Jesus? Read Acts 9. It's amazing. And then he went on in this text to tell you about how he was a chief sinner. He he didn't deserve this grace. None of us do. He used to persecute the church. What takes somebody who is so full of hate towards the, the church and then be turned around to be a preacher and teacher of the grace? An encounter. A real encounter with the resurrected Lord all right so moving on there's eyewitness of the resurrection here's some things i just throw up here for, for a chart this is the order of the 12 appearances of christ you'll see some of the things there written in the passages uh, mary saw heard touched at the empty tomb you got mary and the women uh, also recorded there matthew uh, again the empty tomb peter john empty tube grave clothes two disciples they ate with him excuse me that was my eating um, the ten apostles uh, early on. Then you see the two later on the road. Um, they saw the wounds. They ate with him. Here you see as well the uh, encounter with seven apostles. Then you see him with all the apostles. You see the 500 brethren. James, all the apostles again. Paul. Guys, he walked around for, for quite some time. I mean, it's one thing to see old pappy sitting at the dinner table it's another thing for multiple people in the town throughout the community to all see pappy right you'd have to take up and take notice jesus christ rose from the dead he is alive the um hometown uh was archaeologically undug 1955 uh, here's some other evidence. Pontius Pilate, the prefect of Judea, it, again, people ah, they, they never existed, those people never existed, this is, you can't trust this, this is a you know, myth, this is writing, blah, blah, blah. No, discovered 1961 in 1961 and the inscription on there. Um, we also, here's uh, the ossuary of Joseph uh, Caiaphas. He was the high priest during this time period. It was discovered in 1990. Um, uh, here was a crucifixion victim, first century AD, discovered in Jerusalem. Guys, here's the point. I just showed you just a few. The manuscript evidence there is nothing that even hints in the same ball game as that Bible you hold. The manuscripts that have been discovered all around the globe, the greatest historical documents ever discovered are that of scripture. Why is that not taught in your history class? I mean, nothing even comes close. We're talking 28,000 plus and growing every day. Compared to 600 and something for Homer's Iliad, you know, maybe the next closest. Come on, man, right? So we have those accounts, the accepted historical facts that prove the resurrection. This comes from. Norman Geisler and uh, his uh, lectures on the resurrection, he says, Jesus died due to the rigors of crucifixion. Jesus was buried. His disciples doubted and despaired because Jesus' death challenged their hopes. The tomb in which Jesus had been buried was discovered to be empty just a few days later. The disciple had real experiences that they believed were actual appearances of the risen Jesus. The disciples were transformed and were even willing to die for the truth of these events. Think about it. They fled. When the shepherd was struck, the sheep scattered, Scripture says. They all went into hiding. Even Peter, the Apostle Peter, is scared away by a little girl. Starts dropping some language around the fire because he wants to deny you were one of those with Jesus. Blank blank, I was not. Blank, blank, blank. You know, he even talks like one of them. Hmm? Not like that. What takes scared men and women who are hiding because they're afraid they're next? They're going to be crucified next. They're going to all die. They're going to round them up and kill them. What makes people like that all of a sudden be willing to die? To step out into the light and say, Jesus rose from the dead. I don't care what you do to me. I don't care what you do to me. To, 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 I, I will not deny this truth. This gospel message was the very center of preaching. The gospel was even proclaimed in Jerusalem, the city where Jesus had died. You talk about boldness. That takes some boldness to go into the very city where he was crucified and start preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Christian church was firmly established by these disciples. That's why you sit in a church today. The primary day of worship was Sunday. Remember, everything, everything prior to it was Saturday. That was the the sacred and holy day. Now all of a sudden people are starting to worship on Sunday. Something changed. Something shifted. Jesus rose on the first day of the week. That is the reason why we now worship on Sunday. Guys, do you not see the impact? James, Jesus' previously skeptical brother, was converted when he believed he saw the resurrected Jesus. Paul, leader in the persecution of the church, was also converted by real experience, which he believed to be the risen Jesus. My third and final point, deduction. Paul's going to, give in a, he's going to give us some deductive reasoning here. He's going to say, um, we've got the authority of the Old Testament and the prophecy being fulfilled. We've got the evidence that we've we given eyewitness accounts. And then he moves on to deduction. In other words, he gives you some logical arguments. Look at Paul's logical arguments from verses 12 to 22. He goes on and he says... But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. He says, okay, you people at Corinth, some of you say he's not risen from the dead. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Because people didn't, it wasn't that they just thought, you know, Jesus had, they just didn't believe in resurrection, period. So he says, okay, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen... Then why preach? It's in vain. Why are you even going out and telling people about Jesus? Why did I come to you and tell you it's all empty? It's in vain. What's the point? Your faith is also empty. Why, 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 do you believe? why did y'all show up at church today? Here? Well, what's the point? If Jesus is not risen from the dead, you're wasting your time. I'm wasting my time. Eat, drink, be merry, because tomorrow you die. Right? And that's the philosophy that a lot of people live by. You know, when I was a kid, my mom's here today, by the way. Glad to have you, mom. Anyway, my mom used to say, now, Jeremy, don't touch that stove. It's hot. Do <laughs> you think Jeremy believed her? No, not until I ah, touched the stove and it burned me. She was telling me the truth. That stove was hot. I didn't believe her. I should have believed her. I wouldn't have got burnt, Right. A lot of people do not believe what you're telling them. I didn't believe. The opposite in my case was I didn't believe it. But one day God reached out and touched me with the truth. My eyes are open to the truth. But Paul goes on and he argues through deduction. He says, if Christ is not risen from the dead, we're all found false witnesses of God. Guys, if if Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead, I'm a blasphemer. What I'm telling you about Jesus, I am saying He is God and I'm saying He rose from the dead. That's a lie. Don't call people like that a good people. If it's not true, they are a liar. So don't let your skeptic and scoffer friends get away with it. Just tell them to tell you to your face what they really think of you. Well, I just think you're misinformed. No, you just think I'm lying if you don't think this is true. We are found, Paul says this, by the way, not me, don't get mad at me. We are found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. You see his logical argument with these people at that gathering? He goes on and says this. He says, through the logical argument, he says, For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Do you realize if Jesus Christ is not the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him, if that is not a true claim, then every one of us here today are still dead spiritually in our sins. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. I can testify to Paul. I think I'm going to get to heaven and say, Paul, I think I was the chief of sinners. I'm going to one-up him. Guys, we're all sinners. And the only way you and I are going to be saved is not by us reaching out and touching him. He better reach down and touch us. And you know, he did. He did it through the cross of Calvary. He did it through the death, the burial, and the resurrection. He's blazed away to glory. And he's given us the opportunity to come to him. To receive what we need, the forgiveness of those sins that we commit. So, also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Jesus has not risen, every one of your loved ones who put their faith in Jesus—they're just worm food. I know that sounds ugly, guys. I'm not trying to. This is Paul's argument. This is Paul's argument. If. In this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most miserable. We're to be pitied. That's what Paul says to these Corinthians. Okay, I'm going to give you benefit of the doubt, Corinthians. If if there's no such thing as a resurrection, then stop hanging on to Jesus because He didn't rise from the dead if you say there's no such thing as a resurrection. And you need to be pitied. You poor little Christians going through this world. You're just a joke to everybody else because you're just pitiful. You just piff. Bless their heart. That's the way we'd say it here in the South. Bless their heart. But you know what? Let's flip it. You take these same arguments and this is Paul's reasoning. This is Paul's argument. This is his deduction. Flip what that passage says. There is a resurrection of the dead. Christ is risen. Since Christ is risen, then our preaching is not empty. It's fulfilling. Your faith Church is not in vain. It's not in vain. We are found true witnesses of God. We are true witnesses of God. That which we are telling is not blasphemy. It is truth. Let me go back through these. I went backwards. These are things that that are true. Notice what else he says. He goes on and he says that since christ is risen our preaching is not empty it's fulfilling your faith is not in vain we are found true witnesses of god because we have testified of god that he raised up christ whom he did raise up yes in fact the dead do rise your loved one if they knew jesus christ they will rise paul is wanting them to know this Since the dead do not rise, then Christ is... Since the dead do rise, then Christ is risen. Since Christ is risen, your faith is not in vain. You're not in your sins. You are not in your sins if you've trusted Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all. All those who've fallen asleep in Christ have not perished, but they live. All of you who've fallen asleep in the church, you can wake up. Christ lives. Hey, I only get you once a year. Y'all hang tight. We're almost done. And y'all thought y'all were getting out early because we started early. (laughs) Y'all know me better. If in this life we only have hope in Christ, which we don't, but we have both now and the one to come, we are of all men not the most pitiful. You know who the pitiful are? Those apart from Christ. Because guys, there's coming a day when all the dead will rise. And those who've put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their means of forgiveness, their means is the only way to the Father, their sins are forgiven. They stand holy. They stand blameless. They stand clothed in the righteousness that God has provided for them because He exchanged His life for you. He took your sin, He took my sin, and He nailed it to a cross, taking the full wrath of the Father. It's where justice and mercy meet. You expect justice. If somebody murders your family member, rapes a loved one, you expect justice. You don't want to just let them go. Guys, we sinned against a holy, just, perfect God. He can't just let it go. There's a price to be paid. And that's why He sent His Son in the world to pay for our sin. His justice was poured out. But His mercy... And his grace was extended. Whosoever will, let them come. In May seventh, nineteen seventy nine, issue of Time Magazine this rabbi argues. He says, if the disciples were totally disappointed on the verge of desperate flight because of the very real reason of the crucifixion, it took another very real reason in order to transform them from a band of disheartened and dejected Jews into the most self-confident missionary society in world history. He concludes that a bodily resurrection could possibly have been that reason. Did you get that? It possibly could have been that reason. His logic escapes me, someone wrote in response to that. His logic escapes me. He believes it's a possibility that Jesus was resurrected by God. At the same time, he does not accept Jesus as the Messiah. But Jesus said that he was the Messiah. Why would God resurrect a liar? Paul was writing to those same like-minded people. They want to deny the truth and still call themselves Christians. You can't deny the cross of Calvary, the death, burial, and resurrection and call yourself a Christian. This is the very fundamental cornerstone of our faith. If Jesus is not risen from the dead, we are dead in our sins. This is Paul's argument in the resurrection chapter. Our religion is not based upon opinions, but upon facts. We hear persons sometimes saying, those are your views, those are your opinions. Everybody's got an opinion. They're like noses. Whatever your views may be is a small matter. What are the facts of the case? Spurgeon. What are the facts, man? Our faith has facts on its side. Now, facts won't save you. It'll just make your head swell, and you'll be in bigger trouble. But if you allow the brain that God's given you, when Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, He added one, all your mind, with all your strength. He gave you a a mind to think. He's given you a conscience to respond. Weigh the evidence. Eternity is at stake. Here's our application. Paul received. Notice uh, there at the beginning. Here's our application. Go back up to verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Notice what Paul did, which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you. Notice what Paul did. He received no man discovers it for himself. It is designed for one to transmit and one to receive. It's like a radio. Church, you want your application from the 1 Corinthians 15? Make your life about Christ. Make your life Christ-centered. Tell somebody. You received it, you tell somebody. Transmit it. Romans 10, 14. How shall they hear without a preacher? You are all called to proclaim the gospel, not just the preacher. We receive, James 1.21, therefore lay aside all filthiness. Here's your application, church. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. This is the function of the church. Receive, deliver, hear, tell, listen, proclaim. Church, are are we doing this? Are we doing this? Are we more concerned that Pastor went five, seven minutes after? Church, we must share the gospel. We will not do this in heaven. We will not have an opportunity to do this in heaven. It's done. End of story. It's over. Application. Stand. Notice the word, Paul says stand. Once received, the gospel gives a person stability. You're struggling? Stand. Stand firm in the gospel. It's our hope. Church, we must share the gospel. Church, we must stand firm on the gospel. You notice he uses the phrase are saved as a present passive indicates a continuous action which was being performed on the believers. Salvation goes from glory to glory. What does that mean? It means this. It means salvation is past. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. It's present. Salvation is present. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. They think you are ridiculous that you're sitting here on a Sunday morning, and especially going this late. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God and His future. Romans thirteen eleven. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. <laughs> He's risen. He's coming again. Church, we must share the gospel. Church, we must stand firm on the gospel. Church, we must stay faithful. Stay faithful in the gospel. Jesus is alive. The resurrection is a reality. Do not reject the only message of hope we have In both this world and the one to come. Conclusion? He's risen. He's defeated death. Your sins are forgiven. Your life is all about glorifying Him. Surrender your life and let Him use you for His namesake. He's alive. He's risen from the dead. Let's pray. Father, I pray this message that Paul sent to the Corinthians that you sent to us would resonate in the listener's ear. Maybe there's someone here today who's never put their faith in what Jesus Christ has done on their behalf. Lord, I pray today would be their day of salvation. Your word says, repent and believe, and you shall be saved. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to respond to the Holy Spirit of God. And if He calls your heart and says, repent, Turn to me. I want to give you eternal life. I want to give you my son, Jesus Christ. I sent him on your behalf. Would you by faith take his hand? He's reaching out to touch you. His word makes that clear. You have the authority. You have the evidence. You have the logical argument. Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried... And three days later rose from the grave. He has conquered death. And He offers you eternal life. You can't put your hope in anything else but Him. Nothing else will save you. Nothing. Not your good deeds. Nothing. Surrender your life today. Call upon the only name under heaven, given amongst men by which to be saved. the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've strayed from the Lord. Maybe you need to come home. Give Him your heart today. Stop fighting Him. Stop resisting Him. Surrender. He'll meet you with grace if you come to Him asking for mercy. Humble yourself. And Lord, strengthen us as followers of Christ, that we will proclaim His resurrection until He comes. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Have your way in this closing moment. In Jesus' name.
4: all which the